All right, in chapter 13 of the book of Genesis now, look at verse 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had. Now notice a little phrase, all that he had. And Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very, very, as we said, very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now that's the same as you find in the uh, middle part of chapter 12. Now it said, And Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. This is very important. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. That's what happens when you get rich. <laughs> it said in verse 7, And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before us, before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. That's how come they separated. Now God knows how to get, get them apart. Didn't have no land, but they had everything else. You, you didn't need the land. <laughs> Amen. He just it with it. Yep. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Now, the thing about it, you have to say right here, is another trait for uh, Abraham. He was not selfish. Right. He would have said, I like them well watered plains. I'm going to take them myself. But he let Lot have his choice. And Lot picked what he thought was the best. But sometimes the best ain't the best. And so we'll we'll go back. We'll go from there. We're going over to chapter fifteen again. Well, let's see where we want to go. No, I want to go down to uh, verse eighteen of chapter thirteen. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron. And built there an altar under the Lord. So now he's an altar builder. We done looked at that. Uh, and so you see chapter 14 and 15. And these are good chapters to read. But I want to go to chapter 16. I want to pull up a little bit more about Abram and, and so forth. I want to show you the type of everything in the Word of God and how it's playing out today. Um, this ain't got nothing to look like to do with prophecy, but you're going to see in a minute, it's going to change. It's going to change. Now we get down to chapter 16, verse number 2. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. It's bothering her. She ain't had no children. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. See, he's t done told her that God said his seed is going to be blessed. He said, It may be that I may obtain children by her. 
And Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarah. That's a bad thing for Abram. He did. He hearkened. And you'll find that happening all through the Bible. Most men have hearkened to their wife. I ain't saying you shouldn't listen to your wife. You should. But there's some things they're wrong in, just like some things a husband's wrong in. Say amen right there. I, I believe a husband and wife needs to talk over everything. I don't think he ought to hide from her. She ought to hide anything from him. I think it ought to be open and it ought to be with the scriptures in mind. My wife's with me all the years she's with me. She uh, she disagreed with me a lot of times. I disagreed with her a lot of times. But I did hear her every once in a while because she had some good instruction sometimes. Uh, she saw it in a different light than I did. A woman can see things a little different than a man, sometimes the wrong way, but sometimes the right way. It takes two to be a help me. I don't think a man ought to get ahead of his wife. His wife ought to get ahead of, uh, of, of she ought not to get ahead of him, or vice versa. I believe that's the way it ought to be. Good, sir. Followed by the scriptures. But notice what Sarah, she's concerned now. She ain't had no child. So she has suggested to Abraham, Abraham, maybe you ought to marry uh, this woman. Maybe you ought to marry Hagar. So if you look at what it said in verse 3, and Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. And see, 10 years. He was 75, now we're 85. Get on 10 years in the land. So that's 10 years. And I imagine 10 years later they're saying, is this going to happen? I don't believe it's going to happen. That's like people today saying, the Lord said he's coming back in the rapture. I don't believe he's going to. I've heard that all my life. Yeah. You heard that, ain't you? Yeah. And he said, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. So he marries her. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So there was a division. And so we go on with that. And we'll find all this going on. Uh, it was even Abraham's wife that suggested this. Now that's a different strange thing too. Uh, there ain't many women like that. And uh, so Abraham, of course he yielded and so forth. She didn't trust the Lord enough. No, he didn't. He didn't. And so I'll just hasten this up. What happens is in chapter 17, uh, God begins to be out with them again and he changes them because Abraham now uh, is beginning to follow God. Then verse number 1 of chapter 17, and when Abram was 90 years old and 9, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. That means mature, not necessarily without sin. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram Name, thy name shall be called Abraham for I, for a father of many nations have I made thee see and then so it goes on with this and I'm going to 
cut it short to, to the thought of it, but we find out that uh, going to verse 15, we learn some more. You find the covenant mentioned, the word covenant mentioned in verse 9, verse 10, uh, verse 11, verse 13, uh, verse 14, and on down. And we're going to start reading at verse 15 and you'll see some more. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, uh, uh, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Now this must have been some strange... Amen. Now everybody said, how come that happened? Because here's two children. One is born of Abraham and Sarah, and the other is born of Abraham and the handmaid. It's a type of Abraham and the handmaid is a type of a child of the flesh, and Sarah and Abraham's child was the son of the spirit. There we have that today, and this is important. I'm beginning to get into where you can see what God has got played out for our day. Now, you remember this one thing, keep in the back of your mind. The word church is not even associated with in the Old Testament. Nobody knew the church. All that Jew had in his mind was, I'm going to give you this land, and you're going to find out it goes to the land of Euphrates, which is up around Iraq, all that area. I'm talking about... Uh, hundreds of more acres than what they've got right now. They've got just a, is that some that door? Oh, okay. Uh, okay, that's fine. I thought somebody knocked on. But uh, the kids don't bother me. Amen. I've lived all these years, huh? They don't bother me. Yeah. You turn them off. Oh, no. Yeah. It bothered me. I wouldn't have four Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But anyhow, what I'm trying to say is they, they for all these years uh, in, in the scriptures here, the prophecy of, of Abraham is important to yeah. keep it in our mind today. And God promised them all that land. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're living in, in a little short spot. Yep. And everybody's trying to get rid of them. But everybody else is going to have to move. Yeah, right. Israel ain't moving. Yeah. I don't believe they'll ever run Israel out of Israel again. She's been scattered, and I believe she's been brought back in. Because you see what's happened in 1940. If you take history along with your Bible, we ain't even got time to cover what I want to cover today. But I'm telling you, you can see how it has all worked out to get them back where they are. They were scattered up till 1948. The Jew right now don't even know what tribe he's of. Because they scattered the records in 70 AD when they destroyed Jerusalem. And they don't know. They don't know whether they're a tribe of Benjamin, a tribe of that. I know we know that Saul or, or, or Paul was a, a tribe of Benjamin. But that's, you know, they, they hadn't destroyed the records yet then. I've lived with some Jews for about a year. And they're a very prideful people. They're they very generous. are. They are. They'll do anything for you, and they're family oriented. They want if Absolutely. somebody needs money, they they'll pay for the corporation for 
I mean, they'll supply. They're people. special people. They're yeah, special they are people. Special people. They're God's people. They're different. Yep. And I got to where I get spotted you. Yeah, they're they're blind to the fact of God, though, mm-hmm. to the Son, the Son of God. They they're not blind to the fact of God. They believe in Jehovah. Oh yeah. Oh, they they believe in Jehovah. They just don't believe Jesus is the Christ. They don't believe he's the Messiah. They're still looking. They go to the Wailing Mall every day. Anybody ever been to the Wailing Mall? I've been there. I have all them little rocks at the Wailing Mall, and they put little papers in there, and them papers are prayers. And they'll put them little beanie hats on, I call them, and they go up there, and they'll pray, and they'll pray, and they'll pray, and they're praying for the Messiah to come. And they'll pray. Let me tell you, I've seen it, those Jews standing there and tears running down their face. Them old men with them little hats and, the, and the, their garb that they got on. They're praying. And they're crying, and they're in in the Hebrew tongue, and they're and, and they walked away from there, tears running down their face. They're as they're yeah they're as serious as they could be praying for the Messiah to come. They're looking for the Messiah that's going to set up their kingdom and rule them. They're looking for that. Yep. Where are they getting that? Right here out of Genesis with Abraham. God said this is going to be you. That's the reason. They, that's the reason they're not leaving that land. That's the reason they'll fight. The little old bitty country. Little old bitty country. And the reason I say America's not going to help them and she's going to turn her back on them is simply because God wants to so show the Jew and all the world that he can take care of them Jews by himself. And if America got in there, America would get some of the glory. She's not going to get that. Right? When it's all said and done, it's going to be God and them Jews that whoops the world. It's going to be God. But I mean, I'm just saying and them Jews with him. He's going to let them do the work and he's just going to show them how to do it. And he's going to line up their targets. And all those nations are going to come down against Israel. Russia's one of them. And she's pulling it. And China will be all those nations over there. Bible said it. Uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 tells about that. All those nations out of the north are coming down. And then it says in another place, all nations will come against Israel. That means America. Yeah. I, I, when I read this and I look at it, I mean, this builds my faith. Strengthens my faith. To know if God said it, that's all you have to do is let's listen to it. And walk on from it. So, we find that this happens in the 17th chapter. Let's read verse 15. And God said unto Abram, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call his, her name Sarai, but Sarah her name, uh, shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So Abraham's a father. Of many nations, and Sarai or Sarah is going to be a mother of the nations. You understand that? She's going to be a mother of nations. Verse seventeen. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. Amen. All he done come through. He's laughing, and said in his heart, "Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and Sarah that is ninety years old, bare?" And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. That's important. 
Thou shalt call his name Isaac. Didn't even get to name him, did they? God named him. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Now, we're getting the end from the beginning. Do you think it's ever going to change? God's going to honor Abraham. He's going to honor Isaac. And you're going to find he's going to honor Jacob. And all the 12 tribes of Israel come out of Jacob because he changed Jacob's name to Israel. I'm just throwing in this because I ain't going to get time to read all that to you. It's there. And so now in verse number 20, and as for Ishmael, notice this, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him. Because all the nations have to be blessed through Abraham, right? He done made that promise. Amen. And I could break it up into uh, Jacob. You remember how there's a warfare between Jacob and Esau? And Esau sold his birthright and Jacob got the blessing. You remember that? So it goes kind of with this right here. Study that out. You'll find it make a sermon to preach on Brother Tony right there looking at Jacob and Esau and how God's changed it around with Abraham. And he blessed Sarah's seed, but he blessed Abraham's seed more. See what happened? Uh, Esau was the firstborn and entitled to everything. God moved that. Isaac, I mean, uh, Ishmael was the firstborn of Abraham, but he didn't get the blessing like Abraham's son did Isaac. I'm just carrying that so far. And I'm just giving you something to think on. I said, Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget and I will make him a great nation. You reckon Abraham knew what all that was? <coughs> he didn't know what the twelve tribes of Israel was going to be. But he said, I'll get, make him I'll make him twelve. Talking about he'll, he'll, he'll multiply him exceedingly. He'll make twelve princes out of him. So I'm going to hold it right there just a minute. We're going to back over a, a little bit more. Let me see the fine. We find Sodom and Gomorrah took care of. And we find in chapter 21 that Isaac is born. Uh, and we find that uh, Hagar is cast out. And she's the bondwoman. And uh, she's, you know. And it reminds me of all those little... Arabs and those over yonder in Syria and all them places that's trying to take over and uh, destroy the Jew. You see me? See what I'm talking about? She sees all that over there. Uh, we see it today in our in our process. But but Isaac, he's the son of the of the free woman, you know. So now we go on. We find. A proof of Abraham's, and this is wonderful. We find a proof of Abraham's faith when he told him in chapter 22, Take your son, thine only son. That's what he called him. Take thy son, thine only son. I've read that a lot of times and, and uh, looked at it. So God counts Isaac as the only son. And uh, he's a type of Jesus, Isaac is. And he's going to take him to the to the altar and he's going to offer him in chapter 22 and uh, the Lord even talks to him and 
Isaac says, Here am I. Uh, and he said, in, in the middle of that, and he said, And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? In verse 7. Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And he's going to take his life on Mount Moriah. And he's raised back the knife to take his life. And I honestly believe if God hadn't stopped him, he'd have done it. Because I believe he had enough faith to believe that God was going to raise his son. How many in this building have that? I ain't. You understand? And so he spared him. He come forth. Well, we want to go a little bit further over in chapter 24. In chapter 24, we find that Abraham's going to get a bride. And he's going to get it for his son Isaac. Now I want to show you this. Keep this in mind. Abraham is a type in this chapter 24 of God the Father. He's not God the Father, but he's a type, an analogy, something you lay together. Abraham is a type of God the Father, Jehovah. Isaac is a type of the Son, God the Son. And Eliezer, let me see if I can go back and find him. Uh, somewhere here I read where that uh, Eliezer, I can't, remember, I can't find where exactly. Eliezer was the servant in Abraham's house. And he's the one that was sent on the journey to go find the bride. And he's a type of God the Spirit. You got it? You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost identified in them three persons. So the Eliezer, the, the Spirit, is that not what the, God's doing today? The Spirit's going through the world, searching out and seeking out a bride. You can't get saved without the Spirit of God. He convicts you. And that's the church. And that's the focus of God today in this day of grace that we're living in is to build Himself a bride. The Jews, not the bride. Except those who get saved in the day of grace. Get me? Because Jew and Gentile can be the bride. But the church wasn't in the Old Testament. Uh, but now, going to get Isaac. You understand now where we're coming to? We're going to try to tied over to the New Testament. We get there in a little while. But what happens, Eliezer goes and he says, um, you know, so how am I going to know which one's which? And so the Lord says, well, one that comes out and gives you camels water. You ask for water and that she gives you camels, uh, you and your camels water. That's her. First one. Rebecca. She comes out and she's a type of the born-again believer or the believer that accepts Christ. She's the bride. Ain't that what the church is? We're the bride. So God said, that's what I'm doing with him. He's, he's already given us a picture of the church in chapter 22, 23, and 24 of the book of Genesis. A lot of people don't see this, but it's there as plain as the nose on your face. God's got it all plain as it can be. He's searching out the bride today. And he's given us that, looking at it. Uh, we'll see it. And uh, so those are the things that we find. Rebecca is 
you know, the bride. So the, the transition is made. She finally comes, and you just keep following this thing. And the bride, she stays. Oh, you know, she comes back with him. And that marriage is consumed. Consummated, I guess what I'll say. And they're, that's what it's a type of it. Well, we've got the same thing in our church today. Right? Right. And that Christ died for us. We go a little step further too in, in this thing and seeing in the New Testament that He died for us, the death, burn, resurrection brings forth and pays for the redemption price for you and me. I want to give you some things that I think is important we need to see. We're going to go back and look at some other things in the Scriptures. I want us to go back to Exodus chapter 2, or go on forward to chapter 2 of the book of Exodus. We'll get out of Genesis for a time. May come back there. Now you've heard what I've said and showed you from the Scriptures what God has said. You said that's so many years back. But I want to remind you that God has continued to say the same things. In Exodus chapter 2, let's go to verse 24. And uh, you look at this and you see where Moses is uh, rejected by his brethren. And in verse 24, it says, And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. They couldn't sway God's mind. God said, I made a promise with Abraham, and I'm still keeping my word. That ought to make you shout when we know that God said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. That same God who made a promise to Abraham made that promise to you. There's no reason why any of us should walk out of this building today with a doubt whatsoever God's not going to take care of business for us. We, don't, we may not get everything we want, but I'll guarantee you we'll have God on our side if we follow Him in this book. Now we'll go on a little bit further. Go to Exodus chapter 6. We'll skip on just a little bit. Exodus chapter 6. And I found out you can do this all the way through the Old Testament. I ain't got time to give you those verses. But in Exodus chapter 6, I want you to go to verse 4. We'll just read down from verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now how and thou shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. This is during the bondage of Egypt. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Verse 3, And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. I appeared to them, but they didn't know me as as Jehovah. And he said in verse 4, And I have established my covenant, covenant's promise, a contract with them, to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, 
wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with a great judgment. With great judgments. Did he? Yes. Amen. So, ain't that good to build your faith? Amen. Build mine. Everything he's coming. He's coming. Yes, he's coming. Got scripture on him. Yeah. I ain't got a newspaper clipping. I ain't got a letter from the governor or a letter from the president or even a Baptist ministerial association or from a, any other religion in the world. But I got a promise in my Bible Amen. of the same God that promised Abraham that he's coming. But right. he's he's not giving us the land. Nope. My inheritance is not all the land up Euphrates and around. Amen. We're going to get a new Jerusalem. Amen. A new city from God. That's what we, we are uh, a heavenly people with a heavenly promise. God never promised us land. He promised Abraham land. Now, if you begin to see, no, how many how many is paying attention to Israel in their little situation and saying, "Hey." A lot of people say, I hope they don't destroy Israel again. All that stuff. You ever, I've heard people talk like that. Yeah. I just hope that God intervenes and uh, before they blow them up or something like that. And another thing, I don't even think that they're going to blow... I hear them talk about nuclear war. You hear me say this all the time. They talk about nuclear war, nuclear warheads. I do not believe that they would destroy the earth by nuclear warheads. God's going to burn it up Himself. He not going. To, he didn't say. He is he going to destroy it by fire? God's going to do that, right. and all that. And I don't. I don't believe what they're going to do. And if it did, it ain't right now. Right. These things ain't happened yet. I know some things. Now I believe the Lord's coming in the rap, uh, not in the rapture, but in the revelation when He comes and out out of the nineteenth chapter of the book of Revelation. I believe that's as as close. Uh, as seven years, but it ain't no closer than that. Right. It could be further than that, but not closer than seven years, because you got a seven-year tribulation that the church will not go through. We got right. scriptures on that, huh? Right. If the rapture took place today, it's still seven years right. before the saints of God will come back with Christ. Right. But if a rapture took the place today, the dead in Christ would rise. Those we planted in the cemetery will come up and go up, and we'll go up with them. Because yeah. God didn't give us a promise of a land. That millennium we have it, it'll have be with Jews and Gentiles, but it won't be the it won't be a kingdom for the for the the saints of God. What we're gonna do? We'll be there. We we will rule and reign with Christ, yep. not in the same style as the, as the Israelites. I ain't got time to get into that. That's a big thing. Amen. I ask people something. They'll say to me, "How do you know all that? Fifty years of digging a book. 
It means a whole lot. And if you don't go back to that Old Testament, I've been an Old Testament preacher for years, but I don't have Old Testament doctrines. I got New Testament doctrines. Right? For right. another day. Right? Got anything you want to say, Tony? I see you about to bust. No. <laughs> I'm just soaking for you. Huh? I'm just soaking it all in. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I love this. It's just, it's something. I'm glad. I'm, I will say this. I've made a lot of promises. Yep. And broke a lot of them. Most of them, yeah, I have. <laughs> but when God promises, it comes true. He ain't never broke one. Yeah. And He's promised And He's seen on and like you said, yeah. all of that man's occupied by Arabs and everything else. Yes, yeah. They're occupied by the Hagar's yes, sea. Yes, all this business you hear them over there talking about Hamas and all those different ones, that's that's uh, uh, Hagar's sea. Yeah. Yeah. They're in charge. Because uh, I, I read it a while ago when I was coming down there. And it, Abraham, I didn't read it to y'all, but I saw it when I come through a while ago. It says that uh, God said that uh, Hagar's seed, Ishmael, is going to be uh, a, a, a war-type creature. He's going to be a wild. He called him a wild man. All those are wild. The, all they know is war and fighting. When you look at that and you see the type of people God's got placed and how it's there, you say, how in the world cannot people believe that the Bible is right? How come exactly. you can't? Exactly. Exactly. Why well, you? I read that. I an encyclopedia. It wouldn't do me no good. I mean, it wouldn't help me. Because I, I got some authority on this right here. This is the voice of God speaking. And it's good. How many years? Well, almost well, six thousand. Yeah. This is man been around. Six thousand years. Yeah. No books the book is just as strong now as it's ever been. It's just as real as it's ever been. Give God the praise for that. Amen. I'm glad I got a book I can preach out of it like that. Praise God. You know, they were in bondage there in the Egyptians for 400 years. 430? Yeah, there in Egypt. And God said, this ain't where y'all supposed to be. And you need to live them out of Egypt. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Today they're not where they're supposed to be. Well, that that goes back to the promise of, of Abraham. Right. God said, uh, "You're going to see this land here." That you know, uh, exactly. Egypt. Yeah, he, exactly. Yeah. God said, hey, "You're going to go to Canaan." What he said. And that's yes. where they are. Yes. And, yep. and so God had to get them out of there. Yeah. And and he had all them plagues to bring on them. That's another good thought to go back. I'm going to dig that out a little bit for him. I'll be preaching on that. But we'll see it. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 19. Now this is before the Red Sea. But we're going to where it's after the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 19. And they're on. They're in their journey. They're out of it. Egypt, they've been set free, they're traveling down the wilderness. Verse 3 said, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord, and always remember, God, to go to God, you have to go up, not down. 
Uh, go down. If you're going to go down, it's down on your knees, but up to God. <laughs> Strange, isn't it? In, he said, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountains, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. He did. Because yes, it, it was miracle after miracle. Verse 5 said, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. What a promise. Now they're out of Israel. They're, I mean, they're out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And days are gone by, and God's still continuing on with his promise. And he said in verse 6, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders and of the people, and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned to the words, uh, returned the words of the people unto the Lord. He keeps confirming his promise. Yes, sir. Amen. Every time I read the Bible, he's confirmed. He, he, he confirms it to me. All right. Now, let's go to Isaiah seven, please. There's some other things we want to look at in Isaiah chapter 7. We're going, now, you could get your concordance. You've got a strong concordance. That's one of the uh, best ones I, can, I know of. I'm not into Greek and Hebrew. I had two years of Greek. But I can't speak Greek and don't know much about it. I have to look it all up. I don't know much about English, but... A concordance will tell you the Greek and the Hebrew word of it and what it means. By the way, how many knows what language the Bible was wrote in originally? The Old Testament was Hebrew. What about the New Testament? Greek. And there's some Aramaic in the place. I did know the verses and chapters where there's some Aramaic. But... Uh, I can't remember them now. I'd have to go look that back up. Uh, I've got it in notes somewhere. And, but that don't matter if you don't know which, which it is. It's all the Word of God. <laughs> and it's inspired and it's being kept and God's preserved it. But if you go through it and look up all this and get you a, a concordance, a strong concordance is your best because it gives you your Greek and it gives you the names of how you'd speak it in them if you want to impress people I just can't say what the in them books I don't even look at it said the Greek word so and so and I can't even say that word either much less English so that don't impress nobody when you can't say it can't impress nobody so what am I going to try to impress anybody anyhow but I'm saying to you this morning that as you look at it it'll help you to know where it's all mentioned and so you can look up these covenants of Abraham or is this mentioning up the word Abraham 
and see how many times he appears through the Bible. Now get you a whole day to study. Take you a long time because it's going to take a while to look up every reference on the word Abraham and learn from it. I hope I've induced in your mind an importance of studying the patriarchs like Abraham. Just by this right here. I mean, you can, I hope, right, and by now we're going to be deeper into this, but I hope by now you can see the importance of Abraham throughout the Bible. He's a, he's a hand of the promise of God. Now you know why Jews like his name. Abraham, they listen. Paul, I don't care. You talk about Paul, that gets more attention more than it does Abraham. But to a Jew, it's going to get their attention more than Paul. But Paul wrote 14 books of the New Testament. He kind of might like mine, a New Testament hero, other than Christ. But we, we see all this, it, 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 it's a blessing. But you can go verse after verse, chapter after chapter, book after book, from uh, Exodus here on, uh, well, all the Old Testament, on through the book of Malachi. And you'll see that God is faithfully coming across with the covenant of Abraham. Now that covenant of Abraham is still mentioned in the New Testament. God refers to The book that mentions Abraham the most is the book of Hebrews. Hebrews comes along and talks about it. Others do. Romans does. Galatians does. So Abraham's a quite a character. But now let's go to Isaiah. And these are the keys that most people don't know about these verses till Christmas time. But I just kind of use them year round because it's important. And God begins from Exodus on through to Malachi on telling you how he's going to make this happen. So in chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah, in verse 14, God throws in a little tidbit of information to us, or to, to the Jew, to know what's, what he can look for. What is that? Oh, oh, it says in chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Why does he do that for Jews? Jews always want a sign. Most Gentiles do too now. Yeah. I, I, won't, I won't believe that and I see it. Amen. Seeing see and believing, that's what it say. <laughs> I'm from Missouri, I have to be showed, you know. So he said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Isaiah comes along in chapter 7, verse 14, prophesies how he's going to get this into play. And I told you about it a while ago. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and the Bride. Those are important. That's pictures in the Old Testament. Now, he goes on again and goes, I'm going to give you these two other references and then we're going to pick up on something brand new and we'll be in the New, new Testament part most of the time. Uh, we're going to chapter uh, 9 of the book of Isaiah. In chapter 9, verse nine, 6, I've used these. Y'all have heard me preach these in the last year since Christmas. Some folks don't preach these till then. But this is important today and be important Christmas and everywhere else. He said in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child 
is born. That's going to be Christ. Unto us a son is given. And then it says, and this of course I, I don't have no difference with anybody if you don't believe this, but I believe this is Jesus Christ Amen. he's talking about, the son. He said, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Has there ever been a time that the government of the world has ever been on his shoulder? Has he ever ruled? You say he's ruling the world. No, he's not ruling it in in uh, in the context that we got governments to do that. Has he been the, the authority of the government? No. Shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Is his name called Wonderful today? You said, oh yeah, in my life. No, I'm talking about the world. No. World don't call Christ Wonderful. Counselor? No. They don't call him that. The Mighty God? No, they don't recognize Christ as the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father? No, they don't call him that. Or the Prince of Peace? No. Verse 7 said, Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. We ain't seen that either. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with the judgment and with justice from henceforth for even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Have we ever seen that? Has he been on the Father on his Father David's throne? No. The Jews believe he's going to be. That's why they won't accept him yet. They're looking for a king. That's what I mentioned earlier, and that's where I'm at. Now, then Isaiah comes along and he gives one more chapter. And I'm not going to read that chapter to you, but you can when you get home. This ought to be something you read quite often. I do. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is the Old Testament account. The Old Testament account of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ is portrayed to be the one that comes and dies and uh, on, on the cross for our sins. Isaiah 53. He's pointing out this to the Jew. This is the best place you can go to win a Jew to the Lord. One of the best places. Don't try to read him. I said earlier, Romans chapter 10. Don't take him down the Romans road if you believe in him. Amen. Because he's not, they're not going to listen. They don't accept it. So I'm going to stop right there and take a break just for a moment.